it's not totally true that people cannot participate yes. with smaller amounts. In our business, you can with 500 rands a month invest, and some guys can provide you a solution for even 300 rands a month. I do believe that um, we are all of us already participating in, in the financial markets. Mm. When you're buying a house, you're buying a property, you're playing in the property market. Yes. When you are investing in your retirement annuity or investing in your trust, you are already investing in the in the uh, the stock market. Mm. You know you're buying shares right there. You might buy them indirectly through an asset manager or through a company like us. Yes. But you're already involved in markets, and I think um, it's something that people need to understand. So we are already participating, and I believe that with more knowledge, uh, Nico, people will understand this is not um, a, a preserve of the elite. Afshin, everyone, and welcome to the Economize, where we have candid conversations on critical issues. My name is Nikom Giba, and today's episode is a special one, not only because it's the first episode, but we're speaking to a special guest in the form of Owen Gomo. Now, Owen Gomo is the founder and CEO of Ngunzi Wealth Group. But prior to building his business, he did time at Deutsche Bank, JP Morgan Chase, and the Citigroup. Our conversation today will be premised on the title, Are Financial Markets Just a Game for the Rich or Something More? But our conversation will not only be limited to that, we'll also be speaking about his entire entrepreneurial journey. And also we'll gauge his thoughts on the financial markets in the current COVID-19 era. Do enjoy. Let's jump straight into it. Um, So at this moment, we know that uh, it's very difficult times um, physically and also in the financial markets. Can you tell yeah. how are you navigating through all of that? And especially for you, because you're not only uh, a market participant, but you're also a CEO. So you manage people at the same time, staff. Yeah, I try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's a, these are rough times, Nico. Um, so we have to find a, pal- a, a perfect balance all the time. And it's not always easy, especially when you've been thrown into an environment that has not been seen before, where the rest of the world has closed down because of um, an invisible enemy, which is doing some seriously visible damage to global economies. So we are trying our best by making sure that we stick to our um, our motto, which we use every time when we talk to clients, which is, I will hold your hand. We are nursing our clients. We are holding them along these difficult times. We engage them. We make sure that they are calm. They don't panic and start selling out uh, on their investments, you know, or selling out of their investments before, um, you know, we, we really see where this thing is taking us. And I think, um, you know, we have a long-term view in the business where our investments are long-term views or that are long-term structured or structured for the long-term. And most of our clients, in fact, all of our clients understand that when we put an investment in place, we're not talking about a one to two year frame. We're talking about a long-term horizon. And obviously, as a leader of the business, my job is to make sure that my colleagues um, also, you know, come. They understand that the storm is going to pass. It's, um, you know, it's just a phase in our um, in our life, which unfortunately we have to deal with. Uh, generations and generations get thrust with uh, the most difficult challenges out there. Uh, you know, early 1900 guys had to deal with uh, the First World War. In the middle of the century, it was the Second World War. Mm. You know, and, um, you know, we've seen epidemics come through uh, over the past few centuries. And, mm. you know, I think our generation has been thrust with the the, uh, the challenge of dealing with uh, with COVID-19 mm. uh, is our generational challenge. So we have to make sure that our colleagues are calm and they understand that this is also a passing phase, which, um, you know, has happened in the past as well. 
No, I hear you. And you mentioned something quite important. You mentioned how you are long-term focused. And, yes. and that's really profound because in any given circumstance, it doesn't have to be in the middle of a pandemic. We are seeing more clients and more participants who are becoming more short-term based. So how do you yes. communicate to clients, to investors that, yes, the short term should not be disregarded altogether, but it's really mm-hmm. the long term where the wealth is generated? Yes. No, look, I mean, you guys, very simple. You, you have to um, make sure people understand the, the difference between the two. Yeah. If you're investing for the short term, I'm hoping you're not invest, investing to make money quickly out of yeah. investments. <laughs> Um, you know, but if you are investing for the long term, then, you know, you are in it to build wealth. The short-term investors um, obviously pose a lot of risk because the market has remained very volatile. Yes. And most people don't understand the volatility that is uh, happening at the moment in terms of where it comes from and how it should necessarily be managed. And I think uh, that's the most important part of what we have to do on a daily basis, educate customers. And in fact, hmm. if we came to a business with a million rands and you told us you wanted to make money in two weeks, you know, we can do that, but we definitely shy away from, uh, yeah. from, 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 from doing so because, you know, the high level of uncertainty when it comes to being able to deliver that so much can happen in the space of a day or a week, Nico. Hmm. So we prefer the longer term, um, you know, moderate growth, kind of investments where our customers can sleep well at night and where our cell phones can be quiet as well now and again, you know, because when the market is so hectic, people are always calling you, trying to find out if, um, you know, they are still okay if they're going to have money next month because, mm. um, you know, they are not used to this kind of aggressive volatility. Mm-hmm. No, no, I hear you, Owen. I hear you, Owen. So shifting gears now just to the topic, to the conceptual topic of, of financial yeah. markets. Um, it's quite easy to see that you've made a remarkable career from financial markets. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is that whenever I talk to people, or I, try, or I try to talk to people about financial markets, they disengage, yeah. they become despondent, thinking that this is only something for the rich. Now, based mm. on our conversation, do you reckon that financial markets is simply a game for the rich to get richer? Or is it something more? Look, I mean, I think there's there's a bit of truth in that, uh, in the sense that if you're going to make ex- exorbitant returns, you have to be sitting on a lot of capital. Um, you know, we've seen that happen with guys who are sitting on billions of rands. Every time the market dips, they're the first ones to go in and take mm-hmm. advantage of those low levels and loading up on equities or bonds or whatever instruments they want to invest in. Yeah. But uh, I really think that uh, it's not totally true that people cannot participate yes. with smaller amounts. In our mm-hmm. business, you can with 500 rands a month invest and some guys can provide you a solution for even 300 rands a month. I do believe wow. that um, we are, all of us, already participating in, in, the, in the financial markets. Mm-hmm. When you're buying a house, you're buying a property, you playing in the property market. Yes. When you are investing in your retirement annuity or investing in your trust, you are already investing in the in the uh, in the stock market. Mm. You know, you're buying shares right there. You might buy them indirectly through an asset manager or through a company like us, yes. but you're already involved in markets. And I think um, it's something that people need to understand. So we are already participating, and I believe that with more knowledge, uh, Nico, people will understand that this is not um, a, a preserve of the elite. And in fact, I think that uh, this is why our company was started to make sure that everyone gets access to, um, to to participate in the stock markets, both locally and offshore, and also gets good quality advice from our business. No, fantastic. I know uh, I, that definitely resonates with me because that's one of the reasons why uh, my business partner and I decided to start the Economites. 
it's for that education mm-hmm. factors just to enable people to understand that already they are participating in the financial markets. But yes. shifting gears a little bit more now, financial markets, that's just something else. Now, financial markets, if you mix it with COVID-19, we've seen some yeah. crazy things, Owen. Um, we've seen the price <laughs> of oil, we've seen all the price of oil go below zero. Um, yes. How does price go below zero? I thought zero is the absolute floor. That's the, the limit. absolute low. How did no, that look? So, so that's what we call, um, you know, the tail end risk that people do not always think is going to happen. Yeah. When people come to us and they say, listen, can I lose all my money? In our business, you say, you know what? There's a chance that you can lose all your money. Mm. Uh, why? Because you've invested in, for example, a unit trust with uh, 20 shares. Mm. Uh, if I could use the coordination top 20 uh, fund, yes. you've invested in 20 of the best ideas coming out of coronation, which you yeah. also invested. So if you give us a million rands, can your million rands become zero at some point? The chances are, yes, it can be. And when can that be the case? If the world comes to an end, if all of those companies go bankrupt at the same time, yeah. then you have zero in your investment. But what are the chances of that happening? But in a case like the oil market yes. where you're dealing with future contracts, so futures contracts is an agreement to buy and accept delivery of a contract or, or rather of a certain commodity or, or, or financial security um, commitment. You have to then accept the physical stuff. Otherwise, if you're opting not to accept the physical stuff because you're not using it, you're just speculating in the market. You're saying, mm. I'm going to buy oil at 80. I think in three months, it's going to be $35. And I will have made $5 uh, minus the trading cost as my profit. But unfortunately, what happened this time is you can only be confident that you can sell it on, you can sell the product on if there's a buyer on the other end. But this time around with uh, the West Texas instrument, please, yes. not the brand crude oil instrument, the West Texas instrument, there was no buyers inside. There was an oversupply of oil. And, you know, these guys were selling this oil, who were supposed to deliver it to the people that bought the contract, were sitting there with, um, with no storage space anymore because they needed to get more of the supply for the for the next contract. So they ran out of storage space and they had to start paying exorbitant amounts of money for the storage space. So now you're at zero, but you're paying for rent and you go uh, for, for these big ships, you know, that, uh, that uh, the cargo carriers and things like that, that uh, the guys in the oil space use to, to store the oil that they need to sell on. Now you don't have that space, what do you do? You are stuck and you are paying something that someone else should have taken receipt of now you're even paying their rent for keeping those things. And there's interest costs being incurred. So in our calculations and the models, then the number, therefore, is a negative number. But uh, as you saw, it lasted until the actual day of expiry of the contract. And the next day, the instrument started rallying again. Mm. No, fantastic. Owen, uh, I think um, your explanation was, was, was top-notch. Moving on yeah. to something else which we've seen happen in this COVID-19 era. We saw our yeah. reserve bank, our central bank, uh, cut rates three times. Not only that, mm-hmm. we also saw them actually go into the market to buy bonds. Now, whether you want to call that QE or not, doesn't matter. But what are your thoughts, first of, first of all, on the bond buying and then on the rates? Uh, we saw, was it two days ago, um, they announced the third cut in the third month. What are your thoughts about that? Yes. Yes, no, I think it's a great move. We need the economy to have a level of cushion. It's the worst we have experienced, at least in my lifetime. I haven't gone through something like this before where growth in GDP is expected to grow in uh, double digits, at least the lower double digits, your 10% odd. Uh, 
Uh, we have seen, you know, production numbers globally coming off. America has laid off over 30 million people. And our own numbers certainly will look very, very bad in the next few months when we look in retrospect to the period that we're sitting at home right now. I think unemployment is going to go above 30%. And companies don't have confidence that things are going to be okay. Their targets are being reviewed, revised lower. Mm. Um, you know, we've also been doing our own internal exercises and we revised our numbers lower. So you need the company to basically, um, or rather the country, to be in an environment where interest rates are affordable for businesses to go and borrow money so that we can at least carry on and, um, you know, meet our our debt, debt liabilities at a lower cost. Mm. We can go out and borrow money at a lower cost. The government can do the same as well. Mm. Uh, you know, we've been downgraded, Nico, you thought that interest rates go up, but we are a very lucky country. Interest rates have actually uh, gone down, which is great. And the Reserve Bank going into the market to buy bonds is good as well because um, mm. the the interest rate curve has actually now uh, moved in the favor of the men in the streets and the mm. rest of the country. So we need an accommodative interest rate environment. And I congratulate Mr. Hanyaho yeah. and his team of deputy governors and the rest of the guys there for being very proactive. And I hope that they will stay the course and put this money into the economy to work. A lot of small businesses are going to, to um, have to fold. And if there's anything we can do to avoid that from happening, Yuko, I think we should do that. So well done to the Reserve Bank. No, fantastic. I've, I've been applauding them since this crisis started. And I know I always yeah. say that for all the issues that we had as a country, financial markets, having an independent Reserve Bank, competent monetary policy setters, we don't suffer from that problem, don't we? No, 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 we don't. I think our guys are great. All the ministers of finance have been great over the past few years. With some exceptions. Just <laughs> <laughs> not mentioning um, names. <laughs> yeah, no names. And then you had great reserve bank central governors, Jill yeah. Marcus, Tito Boeni, yes. um, you know, who's back on the deck, uh, or rather, uh, who's now Minister no, of Finance, but deck, uh, or rather, uh, who's now Minister of Finance, but you've got mm-hmm. now Kanyaho, who's yeah. also doing an amazing job there. Yeah. And I think that the guys, um, you know, they, they know what the country needs. I just wish that the picture will work in a more coordinated picture where the central bank, the Minister of Finance, the unions, government, private sector, and the men in the street. I wish we all knew that uh, there's only one one winner if we work together, and this is South Africa Inc. That's what needs to happen for us to be able to deal with these challenges of the COVID virus. Now, fantastic, Owen, fantastic. Now, you have an honest degree in investment management. I can't help myself but to ask, when was that first love? When did it happen for you? When you... In the financial markets. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Many years ago, when I watched Boiler Room, and I thought, wow, this is me. Yeah. <laughs> intensity. Like it. Yeah. And you know, it's intensity, and you're making, uh, you're making money as well. Uh, mm. So that was really great. Um, and you know, the reason that people play in the stock markets, mm. there's a good reasons, uh, which is let's create capital markets where we can push money out and grow economies yes. and make sure that projects can be funded and make sure that entrepreneurs get funded. Mm. And then there's the other side, which is the excitement part of it. And I think for me, I got into the market looking for the excitement because yeah. after watching Boiler Room, you know, I thought that that's the life that is lived by people who play in the markets. Mm. But uh, it's obviously... <laughs> <laughs> that was just Hollywood. Uh, yeah. That's Hollywood saying a story, which um, I think yeah. to an extent I don't regret. Uh, to a large extent, I don't regret playing in the markets. Uh, it has been great. I've learned a lot. I've had access to a lot of amazing information. I've made great networks, and I think uh, it is useful for, for 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 our business right now that I went through the journey I've gone through in the stock markets. It's still really 
really exciting because every day comes with a new challenge. You go, mm. you have to deal with new challenges. You're dealing with Steinhoff, you're dealing with African Bank, you're mm. dealing with all these other things. And um, mm. there's never a dull day in the market. And I think that's the life I prefer. I wouldn't change it for anything. No, fantastic. And as mentioned in the intro that you did time in corporate before you built your own business, yeah. which is now in Quincy yeah. uh, Wealth Group. Do you miss it? Do you miss the corporate life or are you okay being your own boss? No, look, I think it's, it's, um, it gets to a point where you do so much of, of corporate, nine to five, suit and tie, <laughs> which is, yeah. um, you know, but, but you're just not changing the world. You're just yeah. not impacting people's lives. Hmm. You, right now, I'm touching lots of lives, you know, through the business, through my partners in the business, through my colleagues. Hmm. We're helping people learn how to invest. We're helping preserve their retirement. We're shaping the future of South Africa as well. So I think I am adding value and I, I, would, I wouldn't change it for anything. It was great sitting on the desk and making money for myself and my family. Uh, quite, a, quite a lot of cash it was. You know, sometimes I look back and I wish I, wish I had that kind of salary today. But uh, <laughs> you know, we have to play the long game and uh, say, you know, down the line, hopefully, you know, business is big enough and we replace the historic salaries with dividends. Sure. But what's important in my view is mm-hmm. you must live um, and say what you have learned in the past bring it into a position where it changes people's lives, mm. changes the economy potentially, it educates other people, mm. it gives people a reference point to say, uh, if we could do this, then so too could we do it. You know, we can walk this journey through corporates, whether we're in mining or wherever we are, then we can set up companies and employ people. And you know what? Our company has actually been responsible for four or five uh, companies that got born from people who were working in our company. Wow. So rich is really great, um, you know, and I'm, I'm wanting to continue to, to have that kind of impact um, in, in, the, in, the, in the community that uh, I live in. And for our country, I think all entrepreneurs should definitely be supported, particularly smaller entrepreneurs. So I would not go back to corporate if you, um, if you paid me a lot of cash, because I think what we're doing here is less selfish and it's uh, creating a more sustainable platform for people to get access to information in the corporate. Mm. Mm. Now, just yeah. to take you back, Owen, um, JFK once said when he was speaking to his people that uh, we choose to go to the moon not because it's easy, but because it's hard. Now, it seems like that yeah. resonates with you because after you've started Ngunzi, you <laughs> worked on something yeah. very, very difficult, and that is tackling the problem of student accommodation. Now, in yes, 2018, yes. you embarked on a mission to raise 250 million rand through IPO. Yeah. Um, all, all in the aim to, to basically finance 20,000 beds over a period of 15 to 20 years. Can you please yeah. tell us about that? And when did that passion of solving difficult problems come into it? So, you know what? I mean, it's, uh, it's very simple. You sit there and you say, uh, I've worked so hard in investment banks. I know how capital is transmitted mm. and I know where the capital is going. And then you say, here's the problem. What is the problem? Students don't have places to stay and the yes. government is responsible for providing. But there is private capital that's available to play in the student accommodation market. So let's try and uh, mobilize that private capital. And I went and I hired uh, you know, a solid team of guys who worked with me uh, back in 2016. Yeah. Um, and managed to raise 1.4 billion odd rents mm. for a portfolio that we were going to list on the JSC. I had Kamel Kishov coming from Rebosis, and I mm. had Peter Scholes coming from Action Property Funds, and uh, I had as well Max uh, Max Mechanic, who mm. was coming from uh, from from uh, from Arrowhead Properties. So we had a solid property team, 
that was going to manage this entity. But unfortunately, after raising the cash that we wanted to raise, the property market collapsed in 2018, the first, uh, in the first month of 2018, yeah. collapsed by not 30%. So it's a matter of timing. We've been fighting for three years to list the company, and when we get the approval to list, then the market collapses. But um, as you know, when you go, we did not give up. And yeah. uh, giving up is not part of our entrepreneurial DNA. You need mm. to keep trying to find an angle to do it. So that's when we uh, decided to play a 250 million rate capital raise, which we just completed this year. Yeah. And we're in the process of deploying that capital right now into two buildings uh, that we want to buy that will accommodate students. And we'll grow again from that base. And I believe given the appetites I've seen in both uh, corporate and pension fund spaces and um, you know the men in the street to, to be invested in property, that is specialist property, I yeah. think we're going to do well in the long run. Yeah. And the trick is always to think about these things from the long run. And, um, you know, you can't, there's no use crying, Nico. Um, you know, we say in Nimbus, uh, it's not going to help you to cry because yeah. no one cares. You know, you need to <laughs> keep fighting, keep yeah. moving forward. Yeah. And that's what we've done with the recent capital raise yeah. and the deployment of this capital right now, in my view, is, is testament to the fact that if you're patient and you have the right family support, yeah. my wife has been great, my son has been great through this process, and... Uh, you know, I think I would have might have gone insane, Nico. I'll probably be taking drugs right now. So you need the right support. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you need to have the right support in order to fulfill mm. these dreams and uh, these plans, yeah. No, no, fantastic, Owen. So before all this uh, COVID madness started, um, what did you do when you were not working? When How did that? you relax? How did you relax? How did you... When, did when, you... When, when do I relax? When do I have time to not work, Nico? <laughs> I only, I only don't work when I'm sleeping. <laughs> I believe to this my family as well that, you know, guys must always be doing something. My wife is in business as well. And my son is learning a few tricks. So yeah. we're almost always, you know, even when we're relaxing, we're trying to figure out what the next problem is that we can solve. Mm. Uh, and it's very important. Without that family support base, um, I think mm. it's, it's going to be very difficult to, to play in the space. But when I'm not uh, at work, you know, yeah. now and again, football, yeah. Chelsea in the UK, Orlando Pirates here in South Africa. Unfortunately, I think the season must just be closed. Let's close the season. <laughs> we'll, we'll try year. I'm a strong. They will understand, and yeah. so too will Sundowns. So let's start again next year. You know, <laughs> keeping people alive is more important. You know. <laughs> no, you can't keep that argument here. Okay, let's keep football aside. <laughs> Me as a Kaiser Chiefs yeah. supporter, definitely I would like it to continue. But then again, you're right. Safety does come first. Yes, yes. So tell me, Owen, um, the first place that you're going to go to when the travel restrictions are loosened, where are you going to go? Look, I think from a business perspective, uh, one would like to obviously go and see what's going on in our KZN office. You yes. uh, see family there as well. Mm-hmm. But in terms of traveling out of the country, I would like to go back to Zanzibar. It's an amazing place. I love going there. I travel Africa mostly. Yeah. I'm not going to take my money and give it to the Italians and the Germans <laughs> and Americans and uh, in Disney and Vegas and stuff like that. I think, mm. you know, there's so many nice places on the continent to visit. Mm. And I would really, really want to to uh, explore quite a lot of Africa. I maybe mean, do Vietnam. We're mm. planning to do that with the wife. But mm. uh, the budget is obviously being redirected. Thank you, COVID, for messing things up for us. But I think, um, you know, definitely Zanzibar is a more affordable place um, to go to. The flights are cheaper. And I think the hotels as well, they are affordable. But uh, when I'm in Zanzibar, we'll actually uh, to stay at the, the Melia Zanzibar Hotel. You must try that when, you, when you're when you there, man. It's a beautiful mm. hotel. Mm. 
Thank yeah. you so much, Owen. Uh, thank you for joining us in today's episode of The Economites. We salute the effort that you're putting in as a black entrepreneur and as a torchbearer yeah. in the financial markets. Thank you so much. Yeah, good. Thank you so much, my brother. Thank you and good luck. I know this is your, your first episode. I yeah. hope that the rest will be amazing. Uh, let's tell the good stories. Down with the negative energy on, uh, on Twitterville. Uh, black people are doing amazing things out there and I think uh, let's keep fighting the good cause and adding value to the economy thank you so much sir thank you my brother well there you have it this has been a candid conversation on a variety of critical issues and if there's two things that I take away or rather two things that I really appreciate about Owen or people like him is that not only do they work hard to generate good rate of returns for their clients but they also fly the flag very high for black business and black excellence. I do hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much.